welcome to the definitive guide to why broad doesn't work. Now, I hear this a lot, and we're actually going to debunk a lot of the reasons. We're also going to explain why broad isn't working for you. And more importantly, how you can fix that. And even more importantly, what you should be looking at to potentially redefine what works actually means. And lastly, we're going to even get into a transition plan to how to figure out how to move from a very complicated ad account that leverages getting lucky and hard work and honestly just a lot of bad ideas that have been obsolete for years into something you can manage in 15, 20 minutes a day, a few days a week and actually grow the rest of your business as a result. So today we're gonna to dive into why broad doesn't work. I think this is gonna be super fun. Now, uh, I know you can be anywhere on the internet right now and I really, really appreciate you being here. If you're subscribed to this on the audio podcast, do me a favor. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. Get the auto down below. You don't have to listen to every one of them, but if you just go ahead and get the auto download, subscribe to it, it would mean the world to me. Those numbers help. If you're on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe to this thing. You don't necessarily have to watch all of them. I would love it if you did, but look, subscribe, drop a comment below if you have any questions, show the love if you have it, and share this with other people because, hey, all of those things help. Now, in the description below, you're going to see a great article to dive way deep into the three topics we're going to cover today, as well as links so that you can learn from me, you can work with me, and that you can connect with me. If it's just as simple as joining the newsletter, check that out. There's a great bonus. If you join it, you can get 80% off. Uh, one of the best ebooks we have right away. And if you really want to start leveling up your career and your business, you can also check out the link for the Facebook Ads MBA program and see if that's the right fit for you. But that being said, let's go. So, broad doesn't work. The lookalikes and the interest groups that we're targeting are so much better. I hear this all the time. And you know, the honest truth is, you're right, but that's also not the whole story. So one of the reasons Broad works so well is because every ad makes its own audience. And again, if you need to understand more about that, please comment below. There's tons of videos I can link you to and I can definitely help you out with that. But at a very short level, if you show an ad to a thousand people, 500 people like it, 500 people don't like it. The next thousand impressions is gonna be built off of those 500 people that like it. Facebook is gonna show those ads to people who look like those others that responded positively to that ad. Every ad makes its own lookalike audience. That's how Facebook works. That's what the optimized CPM environment works on paid and organic, right? TikTok does the same thing. How does something go viral? Well, people like it. So other people that look like the people that liked it see that content. Same thing happens in an ad. And the better the ad is at making this audience, the more data it has, the greater it's able to lean into that. Well, the lower your CPMs are, the greater your estimated action rate is, and the higher quality the users that you're actually getting that ad shown to. And that's a big piece that I don't hear talked about nearly enough. Facebook is going to show your ad to the people who are most positively going to receive it. But more importantly, when Facebook is determining what ad to show to what person, it's going to prioritize that above the fold first impression when somebody logs in and they're ready to go to the, to the advertiser that creates the higher quality ad unit. So when you are forcing ads onto people 
or if you have a lower quality ad, not only are you paying a much higher CPM, but you're also reaching much lower quality people at a higher cost. So it's not just about showing the ads around because I feel like there's this big misconception that audiences do targeting and that somehow the ads just get randomly distributed to those people. That's not how it works at all. It actually hasn't worked like that since 2016, 2017. And even then, that's not really how it worked. But when people say, well, broad doesn't work because how much money am I going to have to spend for Facebook to have to learn how to show this ad to? One penny. And even then, that very first impression is a retargeting impression because Facebook is understanding how people are going to respond to that ad based on your landing page, based on the metadata of the landing page, based on the content of your website, based on everything else in that user's journey and what you are selling. You might have never had an ad. You might have a landing page that is brand new. You might have a website that's never seen a user, a Facebook account that has just started a second ago and no organic social media. Your very first impression will be a retargeting impression. Unless you have a product that nobody's ever heard of. If you've invented shoes, then maybe it's not a retargeting impression. But you also have competitors. And this really goes into how broad works. Now, we have to understand, when you say broad doesn't work, we say, well, lookalike audiences work better. Interest groups work better. The new topic du jour that I'm seeing is the Proxima audiences and the Shopify audiences are better. And retargeting audiences are better. And when I run side by side, the lookalike just does so much better than the broad does. And you might even say, well, the broad gets more spend, but the lookalike is way more efficient. And you're right. On Facebook. With the front end metrics, according to an attribution model that might work for you, and the Facebook data that you probably don't trust anyway. Now, the reason that these audiences work better is because of the front-end metrics that we see on Facebook, but more importantly, when you're running a lookalike audience and abroad, you are narrowing down the entire universe to just these folks. Now, the likelihood, the makeup of just those folks to have a higher quality user in them is, is obviously greater, right? Because it's a smaller audience, it's a fraction, right? So 1,000 people out of 2 million is better than 5,000 people out of 200 million. It's just a ratio. But that also means when you're running the lookalike against the broad, that every sale that that lookalike has, every impression that that lookalike has, every click that that lookalike gets is data that the broad doesn't get. So remember, broad needs data to get better, and it will consistently get better with every single impression. Remember that ad gets shown to a thousand people and then the next 500, next thousand look like the first good 500 people and that cycles over and over and over again? Broad's doing the same thing. But if you say, well, the best 200 out of that thousand, I'm actually gonna put somewhere else. Now you're keeping Broad a little bit dumber because it's only gonna see 300 folks out of that initial thousand impressions that are good, but not the best 200. So it's not gonna get as good as fast. Now, you might use interest groups. Same thing. Now, people have this false uh, idea that interest groups mean that you actually care about something or that you're interested in something or that you're a buyer. That's completely wrong. What, one third of the people in an interest group are there by accident because Facebook hasn't been updating that tech in years. And half the people that are still in that group might really dislike something. But if they talk about it, they're in the interest group. 
So you might be stuck with one third of that audience is actually good impressions for you, which means also you're forcing more and more impressions to users who might not want to see you. Are your CPMs over 30 bucks? Are they over 25? Maybe this is why. And now we have to understand that when you're using the local likes and the interest groups and even retargeting, those audiences are smaller and they're cherry picking the good impressions from broad. So say you get 100 sales today and 70 of them come from lookalike groups and interest groups and, and, and retargeting audiences. Those are 70 data points of a sale that broad isn't able to see. So that broad ad set is inhibited in getting good as fast as it could be. Now, what's more important here that we have to understand is the implication downstream. You could leave that broad on and it will continue to stabilize and get better and better and better and better. The question is, how long are you gonna wait to fully invest in that? And we'll get to a transition plan later on. No worries. The point that I'm getting to here is the reason that lookalike looks better is because there's a smaller group of people in a smaller audience that you can reach more efficiently today on the front end of the business. And we're going to get to also Lyft versus ROAS because that's a big, big thing that we need to focus in on, on how an advertiser who's looking at the Facebook results has a very myopic view of business success versus a business owner that's trying to scale their brand and has an omni-channel universe to look at is going to define success extraordinarily differently. But let's take that myopic view of the Facebook advertiser looking at the Facebook ad account and maybe their North Beam or Triple Whale dashboard, etc. Every time that interest group gets a sale, it's making the broad dumber. Every time that lookalike makes a sale, it's making broad dumber. And what I mean by that is not that it's actually making that broad audience less effective today, but it's an opportunity cost. That sale, instead of going towards broad, is going someplace else. So broad, the rate that which broad gets better and better and better in that compounding interest of value, which is how broad works, is inhibited. Now, you can run a very mature broad and a lookalike. You know what? That lookalike is probably going to be more efficient on far less spend. People say, well, broad just gets all the spend and I can't trust it. What's the blended result look like? Maybe when you run broad in a lookalike, the lookalike gets better. And the broad is worse than your average. But what's the blended output of that entire campaign look like? What about your entire account? We have to look at what works differently than what gives me the best ROAS on whatever it is. And you have to stop thinking of broad as a tool that doesn't know what's going on based on random distribution with a, with a, with a worse ROAS and a worse CPA, it's a tool in the blend to produce an output that's desirable. We're building a team of options to allow our employee, Facebook, to do the best work. And if we don't like the output of that work, it's our fault as the manager for inhibiting the growth of our employees and ultimately not giving them the best tools to succeed. Now, if you have any questions on this stuff, please comment below. I know that's a big, big topic. We didn't really get into as much as I wanted to there, but what I do want to focus on just to clear this out is lookalikes, interest groups, retargeting, CPMs are going to be higher. There's also much more downstream impact which we're going to cover here in a second. If you like what you have to see here, please subscribe, comment if you, there's things, share this video with other folks, join the newsletter if you want this kind of information on a weekly basis. And if you want more stuff, 
hey, click down below. There's tons of resources for you, including the MBA program. So next thing we need to cover is lift versus ROAS. Incremental lift versus return on ad spend. And this is where I see the biggest rift in the digital marketing world. And this is where I think the biggest gap lies between what the best marketers with the most elaborate campaigns that are doing all this stuff. And believe me, I see folks are like, well, broad doesn't work on my $300,000 a day account. Or people saying, well, I don't know a $100 million brand that's doing that. First off, right here, $100 million brands that are doing that, been doing it for years. Second, if you're running $1,000, $5,000, $20,000 a day, why are you concerned about solving the same problem that the $100 million brand is? Because I guarantee you Facebook is fitting a different need in their business model than it is for you. So you're trying to solve a problem with a tool that somebody else is using, but their ecosystem looks different. Their problem is different. Their value of their investment has a dramatically different impact on their business model. Now, what we need to get down to here is the raw numbers. Incremental lift versus ROAS. Now, one of the big reasons people say broad isn't working is because the ROAS is worse. I don't care. Now, we have a huge conversation about PSM, profitable scaling margin, that's lifetime value divided by the sum of CPA plus COGS, where we understand that ROAS, and to a greater extent, MER has no value because it's not cash flow. It's basically, did you get lucky today? Because those numbers are built way more on AOV than they are on future cash flow. One of those things makes you pat yourself on the back and say you did a good job because you got lucky. The other one grows a business with projectable revenue streams that you can borrow against to project inventory and improve customer journey value. That all being said, when you are targeting a 2 million person audience on, on an interest group or lookalike and your CPM is $35 and your frequency is maybe a 1.3, 1.4 on a daily basis, the value and volume of users that you are reaching at a higher cost is far less than if you're going broad and your CPMs are like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And why are your CPMs different? Well, several reasons. One, interest groups and lookalikes and retargeting audiences come at a premium. They cost extra. Facebook literally used to show you how much more this audience cost. But more importantly, you're forcing ads onto people because you think that ad is the right ad for them to see based on information that doesn't necessarily have a great match rate towards target customer and content. Like it's an interest group of dogs and we're selling dog food. Well, one third of those people might not have a dog, might not care, might not even be in that audience properly because Facebook is themselves have said interest groups are maybe 66% accurate at best. Also, Plenty of people talk smack about dogs because they're cat people. They don't like dogs because they got attacked. There's a million reasons people don't like dogs, but they talk about them. And you're advertising to them. You're spending good money to show your ads to folks that don't want to see you. And so you're creating a liability to Facebook's business model. So as a penalty for you basically being an extraordinarily disrespectful business partner, Facebook's going to charge you more money to reach people. Also, that audience of 2 million, probably more like maybe five, 600, maybe 700,000 of folks that are actually good. The smaller the audience, the greater the CPM because you're customizing. And what we really have to understand here is, is it good for you to today 
spend as much money as you can against an audience that are going to get you a good ROAS on Facebook that's really small and focused. What is that going to do? Ultimately, hopefully that means we get good revenue today. All right, that's what ROAS is. That's what MER is. Did we do good today or over this week? Whatever time window we're looking at, it's a snapshot. Do we get a gold star, yes or no? Maybe the answer is yes, maybe it's no. My question is, what does that mean for tomorrow? And every person that focuses in on this that also says, well, Facebook's really unstable and can't project for the future, it's because you're focusing on ROAS. If you're prioritizing today's performance, there's no way you can plan for three months from now or even next week. And Facebook feels really unstable and highly volatile and your costs continue to go up because you're focusing, showing all of your ads to an audience that's really high cost, where probably the majority of the people in that audience don't actually want to see your ad at all anyway. And so you're creating an environment where you're giving Facebook lower, lower quality tools to create user experiences for their customers, for their users. So you're a liability to their business model. And as a result, you pay more money. Again, is your CPM 20 bucks or is it 35? Is your CPM $15 or a hundred? If your CPMs are over $30, I almost guarantee you, almost guarantee you the problem is one creative testing you're probably not doing dcts at broad to scale with the ads that facebook users want to see based on estimated action rate and business lift but more importantly you're trying to take ads that work and spend as much money against the audience you think is going to work to get a roas here's the problem when you're spending 35 dollars cpms against a small audience where the frequency might be like a one and a half on a daily basis or people say first time impression ratio, I need to reach more people, all of this other stuff. That's predicating the idea of how much liability can I present to Facebook to make sure that a very focused number of users enter my funnel and that I control their experience after the first touch. That only works if you have nothing else going on. But as soon as you begin to introduce email and search, maybe Amazon listings. It becomes far more valuable for you to reach twice as many people, right? Maybe the CPM instead of 35 is a 25 and your frequency is a 1.1 instead of a 1.5 or a two. You're reaching twice as many people on a daily basis. If you're reaching twice as many people, your conversion rate can be 50% worse and you'll make the same amount of money. Also, you're far more likely to reach new people so the folks that you're reaching are not the same ones you're advertising to on search and the ones you're sending emails to. So you're more likely to get new customers where that sale isn't attributed to multiple channels. More importantly, the more you spend on broad, the higher your search volume is going to be because you're reaching more people. Your email open rate is going to go up. But more importantly, the volume of emails are going to go up because you're probably going to get more emails and because people are seeing you more often and because you're not jamming your advertising down their throat to where when they go onto social media, either they are buying from you or you are a burden to them. And if you're a burden to them on Facebook, why the hell are they going to open your email? The point is, it works in isolation if you value that isolated 
myopic view of success. Roaz. But if instead you're focused on how do I make the business bigger? Because we're looking at channels that are not just Facebook as sources of revenue. And to be fair, email's way more efficient than Facebook is on making a sale. Search, way more efficient. Hell, even paid ads on Amazon, way more efficient. But you can't scale those just by them existing. You have to look at how does Facebook fit into my overall business model? And every time you're investing in lookalike groups and interest groups and retargeting, you're tremendously limiting the scope of people that are coming in. And then folks say, well, I'm looking at first time impression ratio. And if it's, if it's really bad, what am I going to do? Well, first off, you need to stop looking at bad data points. So first time impression ratio isn't an actionable metric. It's a sign that your ads may or may not be shown to the same people over again. But do I care about first time impression ratio nearly as much as volume? No, I'll take a first time impression ratio that is one third as bad as somebody else if I'm getting twice as many customers, twice as much traffic. I'll take a lower click through rate all day long. I'll gladly take 20 clicks out of 10,000 instead of seven clicks out of 100. That's hyperbolic, but you see the point. It's a fraction, it's not a performance metric. And I'll tell you, as I scale businesses, these numbers matter. Incremental lift is what gets the job done. If you have any questions here, please go ahead and comment below. I know that I talked about that in a very big level, but I want to make sure that you understand incremental lift is what grows a business, not ROAS, because ROAS isn't cash flow. ROAS isn't what you use to grow the business. Future cash flow and projectable results is how you plan for the future instead of reacting to the past. That's what's going to change your confidence level to make a business grow. If you want more information, please ask me questions. If you like this type of stuff, click down below. You'll see links to the newsletter, the MBA program, and a lot more stuff. Last thing that we're going to talk about, transition plans to broad. Okay, you said broad doesn't work, but I believe you that it's the right way to go. And you said, I'm interested in incremental lift, but right now I need a row as of X to make things work. What am I going to do? Okay, I got you. I got you. Don't worry. What we need to do here is make a plan. Now, I talk a lot about the one campaign accounts. And to be fair, it doesn't mean that you only have one campaign in that entire account, because there's another ebook that comes right after that called the One Step Beyond One Campaign of what you do when you've, hit the when you've hit the limiting returns of that one campaign. But the point is, if you're spending money in five, six, seven different places on three or four different business objectives and lookalikes and groups and interest groups and Proxima and Shopify and retargeting, and you're investing in all these places with audiences that maybe you run for three months, maybe you run for three weeks, and you're just basically hiring employees, spending money to train them, and then firing them right away. Like when you are not investing in maturing assets, you are investing in depreciating value. That is a very bad investment, no matter what the business is. No business succeeds by focusing the primary efforts of their investment on depreciating assets. That's just not how business works. No economic situation functions properly with a, no, no, profitably on that unless you're shorting the market. Like I can invest in saying the people that do that are going to probably struggle way more than they're going to be successful and I'll make money basically betting against them. But this is not how to short the market or any of that stuff. The point here is a transition plan. Don't worry about broad being the best right now. If you start building this one campaign of DCTs, grabbing the post IDs, 
putting a, a proving ground, a winning ad set there for all of your best things, running at broad as a separate campaign against everything else, great. Invest in that now because six months from now, you might not need anything else, realistically. But how do you get there? That's the big question. It doesn't have to be the best thing. It just has to be not the worst thing. If we can improve the quality of our weakest link, we're gonna get better. Facebook isn't about finding the best ad and then spending as much money on it until it breaks and then starting over. You wouldn't put just Michael Jordan on the court and expect to win, right? Messi can't win against 11 by himself, right? I mean, it's not tennis. Serena Williams can take on somebody else, absolutely, but that's one-on-one. -on -one. Not the best for this analogy. Um, she's also a badass, so good for her. Uh, the point here is, it only needs to be not the worst thing. And when you start to run this, and this one campaign net output is better than the worst option that you have, get rid of the worst option and shift the budget over to the broad. Over time, as it continues to have that compounding effect of getting better and better and better over time, you're going to notice that starts to eat up the budget of a lot of other things. And as it gets better and better and smarter and smarter, and you spend more and more money on it, you're also going to notice that your search volume goes up. You're going to notice that your email open volume is going to go up. The clicks you get from broadcasts are going to go up. The revenue that you're making on Amazon is going to go up. The actual organic performance that you get from your social media is going to improve. As a matter of fact, funny enough, when you try to most efficiently reach as many people as possible with highly qualified, engaging advertising, pretty much every facet of your business improves when it comes to revenue generation and performance metrics. Now, that makes sense, right? Good ads to more people makes the other things that I'm doing better. That makes sense. So when you're using interest groups and lookalikes and Proxima audiences and Shopify and retargeting and all this stuff, remember, you are basically steering away from that thing that makes a lot of sense because something else gets you a better ROAS today. And we're not concerned about that. But let's use that metric to define this transition. If broad can get you a better ROAS today than some other lookalike can, or if it breaks even and can spend more money, turn off this ad set, throw that money over into another camp, into our broad campaign. Do it slowly. And if that broad campaign is working, you can scale it slowly. One of the things I teach my students all the time in the Facebook Ads MBA program is, do 5% Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you are better than, if you're 10% below your efficiency you can afford, increase the budget by 5%. Don't eat up all that margin, but just slowly start to spend into that PSM that you can afford. And you're gonna notice more clicks, more traffic, more emails, more search, more organic direct. You're gonna be lifting every facet of the business now, maybe that comes at the expense of ROAS on Facebook, but even if you're just looking at MER, it's going to get better. Now, Facebook's going to look worse, and that's totally fine. Because we don't care what Facebook looks like. 
We care about the impact it has on the rest of the business. The point here is, ultimately, you don't have to be winning today with the one campaign stuff. And you don't have to ultimately have a, an entire account that's stuck down to one campaign. I never said that that's the only thing that you ever need. It's probably the only thing that you're gonna need up to a certain point, but it's by no means the limitation. And when I see folks spending 30, 50, 100, 200, $300,000 a day talking a lot of smack about the one campaign strategy, like, first off, they're in a completely different environment. Second, their businesses probably have different needs on the platform. And third, they're really successful doing things in other ways. So I don't expect them to invest heavily in changing what works because they have clients that are basically not requiring them to do this. Now, if it were me, I would still make this transition plan and I would notice how those clients get better and better and better as a result. But if it's working, you don't need to fix it. The point here is those people aren't you. The point is those businesses aren't yours. You don't have 50, 100, 200, $300,000 a day. Why are you managing your budget and your strategy to match somebody that can lose, there's a rounding error on a daily basis of their spend to the best performance you've ever had. You can't solve those types of problems in the same way. And to be fair, most of them are gonna be way less apt to move quickly and adapt. And that's why we see some of the biggest, most famous marketers spending the most amount of money not embracing this type of thinking. So again, the transition plan is pretty simple. Build your one campaign with DCTs specifically designed to take your best ads. And out of the suite of the four to six best ads you have, the three to five best ads that you have, build dynamic creatives to improve the worst out of those. If you've got five killer ads, just try to make the worst ad better with a new dynamic creative test. Or if you have basically two concepts of, we've got three influencers that are basically the same video, but different cuts. And we've got a couple of these other images from their like product shots. Great, find something else. Reach different types of people. Maybe all of it is one by one video. Why not have a nine by 16? Maybe it's all video. Why not a static? Reach different types of users where they want to be reached with content designed appeal to them. Every ad makes its own lookalike audience. When you're making ads with the lookalike audiences are basically giant overlaps, they're hurting each other. Just like having a lookalike and a broad and an interest group and a retargeting all running on ABO, they're all stealing from each other. Now, maybe you've got exclusions or whatever, so maybe the retargeting isn't there, but you've got a lot of things that are competing with each other in negative competition. Same thing happens at the ad level. So with respect to this, What's more important is that you focus on making sure that the ads that you're testing are designed to improve existing assets or to bring in a new type of audience. If all of your ads are video and I don't wanna watch a video, I'm never gonna see your ads. Maybe 15, 20% of your market is never seeing your ad because they're not a video watcher. Maybe 20% or 30% or 50% of your market is only watching Instagram stories and reels and they don't give a damn about your Facebook newsfeed post, but you've got one by ones on auto placement. And so you're showing things that don't necessarily work there because you haven't designed for it. Fix that. 
maybe you've gone out the road of like, all right, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to customize for each placement. You're building a bunch of different ads that don't add value over time. Well, one of them is really good, but because you didn't design specifically to solve one of those problems, the vast majority of your budget is going to what works. And the rest of the budget where you say, check mark, got that ad covered, isn't getting served at all. The point here is the transition plan from a highly complex 2015 Facebook strategy into something that is built around broad and dynamic ads isn't an overnight shift. It's built around be very specific with your dynamic creatives to improve upon the worst available options that you have that are still good enough to run. And as you begin to outperform existing legacy options of that out-of-date thinking that you're trying to move away from, that PPC logic running on Facebook in 2022, when it was the best thing to do on Google or display networks in 2015, when it outperforms the worst option, just get rid of the worst one and shift the budget over. When you do that, it's not a question of does broad work? It's a question of how long until basically broad is the only audience I'm using. And when you get to that place, you never have to worry about audiences ever again. You're creating far greater lift across your entire ad account. You're able to look at future cash flow and projectable results instead of ROAS today. So you're way more confident in your decisions and way less panicky about day-to-day -day results. And you've got the roadmap to how to get there. The question is, are you willing to make that investment? My pushback, if you say no, is how many other audiences are you going to test? How many other ads are you going to test? What amount of money did you spend last month on things that you're not spending money on anymore today? If you spend it abroad, you'll never turn it off. It's infinitely scalable. So you have to start thinking in bigger pieces. If you're worried about the audiences, if you're worried about the ads, if you're worried about the bidding models and all of this stuff, you're worried about the pebbles. You're never gonna move mountains. That's the biggest liability to your success. Think bigger and you'll have the $100 million business. Or worry about all the small stuff. You might not have a business to worry about. YouTube thinks you might like a couple of these videos and uh, you can go ahead and subscribe. If you're listening on the podcast, please, thank you very much. Go ahead and subscribe there. Even if you don't ever listen to it, I don't care. Just go ahead and leave me a review and subscribe. You don't have to listen to it. I really appreciate all this stuff. Drop comments below if you like it. Look down below for all the articles and do all the information that you should absolutely be paying attention to because believe me, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And smash those links. Learn from me. Connect with me. Work with me. Check that stuff out. Um, until next time, I'll see you on the internet.